Well, good morning. Hey, I want to read this morning from Psalm 92 as we come in and are getting ready here. Psalm 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp and the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made, made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. Amen. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to sing for joy. We're going to make music. We're going to celebrate the Lord's goodness this morning. It's good that you're all here and can join together. Welcome to all those that are tuning in online. Amen. Are you ready to sing? Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. You know, we're going we're gonna to lift our hands, we're going to clap, we're going to sing, we're going to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we thank you, God, that it's uh, just so, so beautiful outside. We thank you that you've allowed us to come together this morning to worship, to celebrate, to be encouraged. Father, we just pray that you would, uh, your spirit would be here, moving in our midst this morning. God, I pray that you would receive the worship that's due your name, that you'd cause our hearts to be in tune with yours. God, and cause our hearts to connect with yours and receive the ministry, the love, the mercy, the healing that you want to give us today. Father, whatever burdens, whatever things we've come this morning with, we want to lay them down right at your feet and, and ask you, God, take these. Touch us this morning. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we worship and...
Gently 
Your love is surprising. I can feel it rising. All the joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every time I see you, all your goodness shines through. I can feel this God song rising up in me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
sing that again. You are my king. Scriptures tell us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That his mercies never come to an end. And that's what we sing about this morning. The amazing love of God for us. God loves us with an everlasting love. Scriptures teaches that nothing, nothing can separate us from his love. Anything in creation, spiritual principalities, powers. Your sin can't separate you from God because God's love sent Jesus to die and to wipe away your sin. the enemy would want us to think that we've been so bad that we've done something so bad that it's too too much for us too late for us that his mercy isn't big enough for that but the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end God we thank you because we don't deserve it. And we can't earn it. But you freely lavish your love on us. God, you pour out your spirit on us. You show us grace and mercy each new morning. Thank you. 
this morning we commit ourselves afresh to you. Forgive us for whatever it is that we've done that's unpleasing to you and that would make us feel separate from you, God. Forgive us so that there is nothing that separates us, God. Help us to receive your forgiveness. As the scriptures say, it's freely given because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Bless us, Lord, with your presence this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love one another before you have a seat. Say hi to someone. Shout out to my cousin, Vicki, who's watching in Oregon. Hi, Vicki. <laughs> Good morning, Journey Church. Well, we're so excited to have you all here. And if you are joining us for the first time, we would love to get connected with you. One way that you can do that is there's connection cards in the pockets of the seats. You fill that out and put that in the tithe and offering boxes that are in the back of the room. And once again, we're so excited that you're here joining us today on this wonderful Sunday morning. Um, we do have an announcement, or I have a couple announcements, but for the first one, I would like to invite Kathy up, and she's going to share a little bit with you guys about Compassion International. So with that, Kathy, <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Can you, you can hear me? Okay, good. Um, I'm up here representing Compassion International which is a, a worldwide child sponsorship program. And uh, it's similar to, you've probably heard of World Vision. Um, it's a similar type of organization where you can sponsor a child in a third world country in Africa, South America, or Asia. And um, I've been a participant in it for over 10 years. I've probably sponsored 20 ch different children. They kind of, some come and go, some stay for a long time. So next Sunday, um, we'll have a table out in the entryway, and I will have some packets, here they are, <laughs> of 10 children, and they range in age from a year and a half up to all the way up to 20, and so um, if you'd be interested to maybe take a look and s sponsor a child, um, it's something that is worth considering if you feel led to do that, and it's $38 a month to sponsor. Um, the child will write to you, and you can write to them. It's, you can all do it online, send pictures. It's very easy when it's all done online. And um, the last couple of years with the pandemic, 
was really a challenge for that organization because everything was closed. You couldn't get letters, you couldn't send letters, but now it's opening back up. So it's, uh, if you feel led to do that, um, you can talk to me after church today if you have questions or I'll see you next week and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Thank you. Um, well, there are countries, there are quite a few in Africa, uh, South America, Central America. Um, I have one for a girl for Guatemala. I know that some, we always sponsor a, a boy. Um, also, Asia, uh, let's see, Philippines, Indonesia, Bangladesh, um, all over. So, yeah. I've, one other thing I say, I've, I've visited some of my children over the years. Right now, the, the trips are shut down, but... Um, it's, it's a, it really does make a difference in the lives of these kids to have someone to encourage them to stay in school. Um, a lot of countries, especially in Africa, they want their girls to get married when they're 14 so they can get a cow for the family. I mean, it's, it's really important that they stay in school and are able to have a future. So thank you. Yeah, I think I've shared this before, but Illuminate Youth Group, we actually sponsor a young man named Christopher from Guatemala. And so every week we pass around, we have this little bucket thing that we pass around and the kids will put money in it. So it's pretty cool. And then we uh, write letters. That's what we should do. Um, <laughs> um, anyhow, the next announcement that I have for you guys is that we have a women's tea that is coming up on June 4th here at the church, and it's going to be from 11 to 1.30. The ticket to go is $7, and it's just going to be an awesome time of women getting together and fellowshipping with one another and drinking tea. Don't forget, pinkies up. Um, <laughs> so um, if you are interested in that, you can connect with uh, Shannon Hastings, who right now is in the, the sound booth back there, um, and she'll make sure to get you a ticket. So that'll be fun. Again, that's June 4th from 11 to $137 for a ticket. And with that, we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings. And I was thinking just as the, the song that we sang where it says, in all I do, I honor you. And when we give of our tithes and our offerings, it's another way that we get to honor the Lord. I have a couple verses here. One is, is Proverbs 3, 9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I have to tell you, God is so good. I had this ready to go already, and I just and I didn't come in to worship until the last song. And then that, that part came on, and it was in it, and all I do, I honor you. And I'm like, it's just such confirmation that the Lord wants us to remember that we want to honor him, whether it's with our ties I mean, whether it's how we act around people in the community, with our family even, all we want to do is honor God with everything. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings. God, you are so faithful and you are so good. And I pray that all that we do would honor you, whether it's in our speech and our conduct, um, as we give into our tithes and our offerings. Lord, you, um, we want you to be glorified. We want the world to know who you are. We thank you for this amazing church body that we get to be the hands and feet, Lord, that we get to lift each other up within this family, God, and then we get to reach out to the rest of the world with the different missions that we have, and even just here in this little community. God, we, we again thank you so much 
for all that you do and just ask that we would be able to honor you with everything. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Lord, good. Amen. I heard a story once about Satan's garage sale. Satan had advertised that he was selling off many of his tools, and so he put on display some of his very best items. So a lot of demons showed up to see what the devil was getting rid of that day, and they came from all around to see what they could purchase to improve their shameful skills. Each tool sold almost as quickly as it was placed on the display tables. Satan had carefully marked the price upon each tool. Anger, resentment, hatred, a hundred, four hundred, six hundred, etc. Anger was selling fairly low, so common, so plain, so effective. Greed brought a big price. Pride drove bids to high levels. Multiple copies of the jealousy tool were hot items. Lust, as always, was at a bargain basement price. So common. Laid apart from the rest of the devil's tools was another tool, but it, it was worn more than any of the others and was Priced very, very, very high. What's the name of this tool? Why is it priced so high? Asked one of the customers. A slow, wicked grin grew across the devil's face. Satan pointed to the tool. That one? That one's discouragement. And it works when nothing else will. When I can't bring down my victims with the rest of my tools... I use discouragement. With that tool alone, I can accomplish every task. Well, what's so special about discouragement? Because discouragement is more useful to me than all the others. With it, I can pry open and get inside a man's heart when I can't get near him with any other tool. Nothing paralyzes a person. Nothing stops someone in their tracks like discouragement and doubt. It results in hopelessness. Discouragement and doubt are no respecter of persons. They keep the unemployed unemployed. Keeps the homeless homeless. It keeps the sick sick. They can even draw the most powerful ministry to its knees. When overcome with discouragement, it leads to hopelessness. People can't pray. They can't worship. They become a victim of their environment. Discouragement drains their victims of courage, of vision, of faith, of expectation, and the will to make a difference in the kingdom of God. If I can get people discouraged and full of doubt, then I have successfully neutralized them. 
they are then left with only enough energy to feel hopeless and sorry for themselves. It's badly worn because I use it on almost everyone since so few people know that it belongs to me. The devil's tools. This morning I want to talk about discouragement because as this little story says, it's used on almost everyone. Discouragement comes almost out of nowhere. It, it uh, affects us, doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Discouragement tries to come in and truthfully gets most of us. As Christians, there's even a, another part that's really difficult because when discouragement comes to a Christian, not only are we discouraged, we feel bad because we're discouraged because we shouldn't feel discouraged because we're Christian. And that makes us even more discouraged because we must be doing something wrong if we as Christians who shouldn't be discouraged are discouraged and feel bad about being discouraged and the cycle goes on and have you ever been there yourself? You know, the, the, the truth is, is discouragement comes and it, it, it gets on all of us. And, and it's interesting and amazing that it can get on to us really quickly. I don't know about you, but there's been days things were going okay. And I don't even know what comes, but bang, out of left field, I'm discouraged. And when that discouragement comes in, sometimes I don't even know exactly why I'm discouraged. I just feel the weight of discouragement or doubt. It's, it's on me. And sometimes it's really hard to, to get out. I'm going to ask, there's, I hear a voice in the background. Is somebody listening to something? I apologize. I, I, it might be my sermon coming back at me. Okay, okay. that's okay. I, I think it might have been. The, 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 the stream, and I started hearing myself, and I started forgetting what I was going to say, <laughs> which now I forgot what I was going to say. I won't get discouraged. <laughs> you know, some, some people, you know, you, you look at some people, and you, you think, wow, they, they never get discouraged. Um, I really think that really what it is is that they just hide it in public better than other people. I don't know of anyone who doesn't get discouraged. And, and I try to be real, and I, I get discouraged, and I've shared that I'm discouraged at times because it's, it's part of life. But the question is, how can we overcome it? What can we do to try to get the victory? Even sometimes, what can we do just to make it through? Sometimes we just have to try to make it through. Job, uh, which is not a good book to read if you're really discouraged, probably. Um, another one I might throw into that is Ecclesiastes. Um, but Job chapter 30, it, it read to the end of Job and you're like, okay, there we go. But don't stop in the middle. You know, Job was in, afflicted with, with so many things, um, tests that came um, from the devil, but that the Lord allowed. And it's a, it is a great read as long as you get all the way 
through it and understand that, that discouragement tests do come to us, um, and, but the Lord is with us. But in Job chapter 30, 26, it says, I looked for good, but evil came instead. I waited for the light, but darkness fell. My heart is troubled and restless. Days of suffering torment me. I think it was me. I'm like, you guys can't hear that? Because I was talking from my back pocket. Wow. Let's start that one again. So I looked for good, but evil came instead. I can relate. I waited for the light, but darkness fell. Been there, done that. My heart is troubled and restless. Days of suffering torment me. I walk in gloom without sunlight. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat some worms and die. Right? This, do you relate with this? You don't have to right now, but like, has this ever been you where, wow, that's, that's what, the way I feel at times. And sometimes it comes on me. And when it comes on, I can barely see anything but that. So how can we say uh, on a worship morning or any other time, God is good. All the time, God is good because he is. We can't always see it. We don't always at every second experience it or feel it, though we are the recipient of it all the time. God is good, even though things can get rough. And here was Job, and, and he was going through this huge trial. Uh, we had a great time in our life group on Wednesday and, and talked a little bit about this without talking directly about it, how, you know, um, people who try to comfort you or if you try to comfort people uh, when they're discouraged or when something's going down, um, we don't always do it well. In fact, often we don't do it well. It's not that we don't always do it well. It's more like often we don't do it well. Because we don't really deal well with other people's discouragement and, and depression and difficulties for lots of reasons. We have a hard time when other people are going through difficulties, I think especially as Christians, because we're like, wait, you're saved, I'm saved, God is good, please don't struggle. So we say things like, just trust God. Just give it to God. And we'll, could these wonderful things say, but the Bible says, do not fear. It says it 365 times, one for every time of the year. And we just throw these statements out, but they, they fall short for the person who's experiencing it. We'll talk a little bit about that. Have, have that. Has that ever been you, that you've been there and somebody threw out that scripture and you're like, didn't help. <laughs> you probably meant well by it. I'm sure you did. But when you're in that moment, uh, just a scripture doesn't always help. We need to, uh, to, to walk with them sometimes. We need to sit with them. You know, Job's comforters, you know, that's that phrase, Job's comforters. It, it's an older phrase. A lot of young people probably don't know. It's like, oh, you're just one of them Job's comforters. You know, it's been around for a long time, that saying. That's like, yeah, you're not being, bringing me any comfort at all. But when you read the book of Job, which now some of you are like, man, I thought that book was called Job. And I didn't want to read that one because it felt like I had to work. But it's Job, 
And, and, and it's a good read. You should do that. You should, should read it through and, and do it with, with prayer as you watch. And under, understand that what you're seeing in the book of Job is humans being human. You got Job who's going through this major crisis and three friends come to bring him comfort and things are going really well at the beginning, not for Job, but they're going really well for the comforters and Job's relationship because it says that they came and they sat with him, but they didn't say a word and things were going really well until they opened their mouths. We should learn from that, church. Sometimes somebody's going through something and it, it really goes awry, it goes crooked when you open your mouth. Because us in our own wisdom and thinking try to solve the problem. And, and, and it's sometimes too great for us. So they start saying things like, are you sinless? You've done something wrong. And they heap this wonderful condemnation. As my good friend Gio always used to say, when, when somebody would start laying that, that condemnation or guilt on somebody, he says, oh, wow, I better pack my bags. We're going on a guilt trip. <laughs> so what you're saying is that I'm, I've lost everything. I'm feeling bad. I got all these sores on my body, and it's all my fault. Why, thank you so much for encouraging me today. Now, is there ever truth that we have made our own bed and we must lie in it? Yes. That's, that's the result sometimes of our sin. You, you can't cover that up. But discouragement comes. It was there for, for Job. Um, I, I've been reading, reading uh, David right now in, in uh, Samuel and Chronicles. And um, I want to read out of 1 Samuel 30. And, and I'll set this up real quick. So David's life was, was interesting. One of the things that, that I love about David is that though he was a man after God's heart, that's what the Bible says about him. He was a man after God's heart. He was so human. He failed a lot. Some, sometimes when we read the Bible, we try to make certain things good because we have a problem with a person who was loved or blessed by God doing bad things. So sometimes we actually try to turn their bad things into good. And that's because our brain has a hard time making that fit. And sometimes you go, wait a second. No, this, David was not all good. Everything that David did wasn't a wonderful idea. But. God is the thing, but God. God is good. And he comes in and he redeems. And if we'll let him, he'll direct us and, and show us how to go. And so David did some things throughout his life that were probably uh, not the best, not just probably, that weren't the best. And there were some other things that I read, I'm like, wow, was God happy with that? And, and the answer isn't always there. So when we get to heaven, find out. Probably won't care by then. This is kind of one of them. So David's on the run from Saul. And he's afraid that he's going to get killed. And so he comes up with this idea. And this is part of, this part of this is like brilliant. But was it a good idea? I don't know. It's smart. It worked. He says, I am, he's going to get me. 
I am going to go live with the Philistines. Did you hear that? David, the Philistine killer, is going to go live with the Philistines and become part of them. And some of you are like, wait, I, for, I did not read that part. You probably did. Because when you're reading through the Bible, you're like, oh, I'm so tired. And you read it, you just forgot about it, okay? So that's okay. I'll give you a little bit of break. So he, was, he, goes, and he, and he goes to the Philistines, and they're like, wait a second, this is David. We don't know if we want him here, but he began to serve them. And, and they became very happy with him. And what he would do is he would go out and raid one group of people that Israel didn't like either, and he would come back and he would basically tell them that he raided a different group. So he'd come back with spoil, and, but he would say, well, I, I raided this, this other group and you know, you'd be happy with it. So he's lying and he's deceiving and he's doing all this stuff and he's living safely with Philistine. Well, the Philistines at one point in, in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 29, 30, they, they're going to go and they're going to fight now Israel. And David's with them. And he and his, not just David, it's he and his men. And so he wants to go up with Achish, who's the, the, one of the leaders of the, of the Philistines, and he's going to go and fight against Israel, supposedly. And, and they're going out, and this kind of boggles my mind. I'm like, shouldn't you have just stayed home? But he, but he goes with them. But the other leaders of the Philistines, they're like, no way, Jose, that's David. We're going to go to battle against Israel, and he's going to turn on us, and he's going to kill us. And Achish goes, no, he's been great. We love David. He has never disappointed me. And he goes to David and tells him the same thing. And, and the Philistine leaders, the other one's like, no. And they push so hard that Achish says, okay, they don't want you. You've got to go home. So David goes back. It's really just a kind of an interesting story. When David goes back, now, he goes back to a place that, that he had earned, a Philistine area that he was in charge of, was Ziklag. So he goes back with his men to Ziklag. While they were gone, a raiding party came in, burnt everything down, took all the women, took all the plunder. So David comes back. His wives are gone. Yeah, wives. Not a smart move. You know, there's a word for a man who wants more than one wife. That's it. <laughs> That's it. She knew. Yeah, somebody like, a polygamist? No, 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 idiot. <laughs> they got his wives, the plunder, but not just his wives, all of his fighting men. Everything's gone. When David and his men came, uh, chapter 30 for Samuel, came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, their wives, sons, daughters taken captive. You think you had a bad day. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Anyone? You ever wept that hard? No more strength to weep. That is serious mourning, serious fear and sadness. David's two wives also had been taken captive, Ahinoam 
uh, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal. And David was greatly distressed. Listen to this. So in addition to everything that's gone on, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. Let's stop there. So this is a bad day. They've left their country. They've left their people. They've now joined union and are living in a, in a group of people that they hate who used to come out and raid the Israelites when they were there and killed people. Now, David's wonderful idea of living with the Philistines, going to, or going to war with the Philistines while they're gone, resulted in them losing their children and their wives and everything they owned. So they want to stone David. That's a bad day. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. It, it's, it's a quick scripture. Some of the versions that you might be reading said David strengthened himself in his God. The word encourage and strengthen in the Hebrew um, is, is interrelated. It, it's sometimes used strengthened. Sometimes it's used hardened. In fact, uh, Pharaoh, they, they use the same word when Pharaoh hardens his heart. The exact same Hebrew word. Harden, strengthen, encourage. That building up of something. So David strengthens, encourages himself in the Lord. We need to learn how to do that. And that, that's a tough one. We need to learn how we can strengthen ourselves when things are tough. So, so how, how can we do that? Well, th there's a few things. Um, we need to be people who are familiar with the whole counsel of God. Because this Bible is everything we need for life and godliness. This Bible has stories in it that are true and true to life. There, it's not just all good rainbows and unicorns. Everything is just lovely and it's actually full of uh, pain and suffering, difficulties, um, people making bad choices. You know, shortly after this, um, you know, when David's king, he, he commits adultery with, with Bathsheba and, and his son dies. Losing a child, that's, that's not a good nor easy thing to go through. I can only imagine. So the Bible has these stories. They, they have these stories of people making, dare I say, bonehead. You know, Mr. Bob would love that one. Bonehead choices. Like, what were you thinking? You, you ever read the Bible and go, holy moly, what were you thinking? If you don't, then you need to read it a little bit more real. Like, this actually, somebody made this decision. Like, Abraham's wife said, hey, I think it'd be a good idea if you sleep with my servant. Women, you ever had that thought? <laughs> I mean, come on. You'd be like, oh, that seems kind of dumb. 
I was talking to somebody this week, and, and uh, they were talking about a new job possibility and, and getting partnered um, while driving truck, and their partner could be a, a male or a female. And he goes, yeah, like I'm going to have a female long-distance partner, right? That's just not a good idea. He goes, I really don't think my wife would like that. <laughs> so where would you guys sleep? In the truck stop. It's a double bed. I mean, come on. But Sarah does that. And you go, wow. And, and that is such a bad mistake that there is now rivalry and an entire nation is born from the child of that wrong union, Ishmael, which from that line comes Islam. I've made some mistakes in my life. I don't think I have ever built a religion that wants to kill everyone else. <laughs> and there's God right in the midst of it. And he says, I will redeem it. I've called you by name. He still visits Sarah. She gets pregnant at 99. 90, he was 99, 90. Ruthann, there's still hope. <laughs> right? Come on. The Bible has these stories for us, these times where we read it, we go, wow, but what, can't we just go, yeah, that would be me. Some of, those, some of those things you'd be reading like, yeah, that's me. I've done really, really stupid things. But God is good. So how do you encourage yourself? You're familiar with the word. You see that God can redeem anything. And even the things that have lasting consequences, which sin has consequences. There are some out there who, who say, you know, the moment you become a Christian, everything you've done is forgiven. I agree. The Bible teaches that. And all the consequences of anything you did get washed away. And I'm like, where do you live? <laughs> you know, I know that there's Christians who have AIDS because of the lifestyle they lived before. Now, God has healed some people, too. Sometimes I hear these great stories of somebody getting healed of AIDS or hepatitis or something that, you know, you got because you lived a really bad lifestyle. But a lot of people don't. But God is still good and he's still there. So there's consequences. The earth that we live in is, is now under a curse. It's not the same place that it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. I don't know exactly what it is supposed to be. We're going to find out when we get to heaven because... The Garden of Eden is a picture of heaven. So, so here's one thing. How do you encourage yourself? When you read Genesis and you read about the Garden of Eden, how amazing it is, that's what's waiting for you. God gave you a picture of what eternity was going to look like, which is really cool because I think, this is a big leap, but I think the animals talk. Because in Eden, when the serpent went to talk to Eve, I've said this before, when the serpent went to go talk to Eve, she went, she didn't go, 
wow, a talking serpent. <laughs> I would. The serpent starts talking to me. In fact, I wouldn't listen to a talking serpent. I wouldn't listen to a talking anything. I would be gone if that wasn't a normal activity. Okay. That's why, that's why actually C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia, he, in that there's, there's the living trees and the living animals and then there's regular animals and regular trees. He also believed that in heaven, in paradise, that stuff was real. So, you know, I'm in good company. That's a picture of heaven. It's perfect, unstained, amazing. That's what's waiting for us. We don't quite live in that. It, one of the curses for the man was that by the sweat of your brow, you will work. Not that you will work. Men were created to, to work, to create, to work with their hands, to even labor, but they weren't created to labor by the sweat of their brow. It wasn't supposed to be as hard as it is. It was supposed to be more fulfilling and less painful and hard. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but some of you guys know exactly what I mean because you've had a couple days in your life where you worked hard, but it wasn't hard. You know what I mean? That's heaven. That's awesome. Women, I am so sorry. I should say moms. Because one of the curses is that it hurts giving birth. Can you imagine? If it wasn't for Eve, giving birth would be a breeze. You'd have like nine kids. Like, this is great. Okay, I'm way off. Some of you are like, you are way off, Pastor. <laughs> how do you, so how, all that, how do you strain yourself? Because you, you, you get familiar with the Bible and you understand there is hardships and there's failures, but, but God is good and he's a redeemer. Sometimes you, you can only encourage yourself by saying, though my flesh, Job, again, though my flesh is destroyed, this whole thing goes away, with my eyes, I'm going to see God, whom I shall see for myself and not another. In other words, even if I go to the grave with this infirmity, with this calamity, with this difficulty, this life is short compared to the glorious eternity that waits. And we can encourage ourselves and say, I can make it. I can make it. There's a story of a, a woman swimmer. Some of you may even know her. Nikki knows so many people. You might have known this, the swimmer who tried to swim from Catalina to, to the coast of California. And she was a long-distance swimmer. She'd, she'd done the English Channel, and she set out to do that distance. I wish Nicole was here. I don't know how many miles it is. It's a lot of miles. It's 22, something like that. That's, that's a long swim. And she swam it. And by the time she was, you know, uh, hours and hours and hours into her journey, for, I, I don't know, I'm just going to say, you know, 15 hours or something. I don't know how long, how fast you can swim. She was really tired. The fog rolled in and it was dark. And she couldn't see a thing. Now, there was a boat there with her, just, you know, in case she gave up she, or if she needed something. So there's a boat. And she, she's swimming she, and she can't see a thing. Fog darkness she kept swimming and finally she goes i can't do it i can't do it and they got her into the boat when the fog lifted they were less than a half mile away from shore she could have done it why couldn't why why didn't she she didn't see the end she lost 
vision of her goal. That's discouragement. Don't lose vision of the goal. You learn about it through the word of God. That we're going to make it. Is that that famous philosopher Dory said, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Finding Nemo, go watch it. <laughs> Keep going, church. There's an old song by Ray Bolts, I Think I See Gold. We used to do it as a, as a drama. And, and it says, you know, I see you struggling every day. You know, right in the pain and the ashes. Don't give up, don't let go. I think I see gold. That needs to be us. We need to say, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to do it. I'm going to encourage myself because I know that my Redeemer lives. The Bible says, I know that he's good, not because I feel it, but because I've read about it. Here's another thing. Build for yourselves memorials, remembrance stones. All throughout the Old Testament, the believers would set up memorials to, to remember the things that God had done. The 9-11 memorial, which is amazing in New York City. It's like, wow is there to remind us what happened so we will never forget. Build things, though, that, that you will remember what God did for you. When the Israelites crossed the River Jordan, and, and people always talk about the Red Sea. That was amazing. It really was, crossing the Red Sea. I think crossing the Jordan River was bigger because... It's hard enough to get like, you know, water in a bowl or something to, to spread, but, you know, move fast. But the river kept coming, and it got stopped up. Like all, all that water just kept coming. And they walked through the river, and what God told them to do is get stones from the middle of the river, 12 of them, one for each tribe. When you get to the other side, you're going to build a monument. The, the stones came out of the river, so they were probably round. They were river stones, big ones, I imagine. I don't think they were these little tiny things, big, round. And they built an altar, and they said, that way when your kids ask you, what's that? You'll tell them, the Lord stopped the water so we could enter into the promised land. What's your remembrance stone? You know, some of you have a 30-day chip, a 60-day chip, a one-year chip, a five-year chip. That is a memorial stone. What is that? This is the thing that marks that I used to drink, but I was delivered, and I don't anymore. That's like a memorial. Build memorials so that when you're discouraged and you're struggling, you look and you go, God was good then. God was good then. God was good then. He delivered me then. He healed me there. He's going to see me through this as well. Because God is good. But I guarantee you there's times in your life you can't feel it. And somebody telling you just trust God doesn't work unless you have something ready ahead of time. Wait, wait, trust God, trust God. I need to remember that God is good. Oh, yeah, I can remember that God's good. I have a journal. A memorial could just be a journal. Oh, my gosh, I remember that. I forgot about that. Yeah, have that happen? I forgot about that. She had to do that to me like, do you remember the time? I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about that. Oh, wow. 
I remember that time of the guy in Hollywood said he was going to kill me. He was going to stab me because I was carrying a cross. It was a little scary. He, one of the guys on the team came back and said, don't you go up there. He, that guy up there, and there was a guy pacing on the sidewalk, looked like a caged lion. He said, if you walk up there, he's going to stab you. You ever been to Hollywood? Things like that, it's, it's crazy. So my mentor, who was just thinking of the best of me, hope he's listening, Mark, says, I said, what do we do? He says, onward, Christian soldier. So we walk right past this crazy lion guy who's pacing on, looking at me the whole time. I'm carrying the cross going, if he attacks me, I can't even defend myself. I got this 10-foot cross, and I walk by, and right as I get there, he puts his back against the wall, puts his arms like this, puts his head against the wall, and lets me pass. God is good. Oh, I remember that one too. Look at your memorials. Write them down. Build something. Make something in your home that you know what it means. Read the word. That's how you encourage yourself. Do we, do we pray? Absolutely. Pray. But there's times in that moment that God just seems silent. It's, it's difficult. You've got to get these thoughts. You've got to, you've got to pull them together, but you can do this. Right after that, David says he strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he goes, he, he says to Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. And you had to wear the ephod when you're, when you're connecting with God. And so he brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord. He says, I don't know what to do. Do I pursue them or not? Now, I hope he did, you know, luckily his wives weren't there. Because I know, like, if Shannon was taken hostage and she heard my conversation and it went like this, hey, God, should I go after her? <laughs> it might not go well. What does that say? He was so lost, he didn't know what to do. Should I go? Yes. And they get everything back. He sought the Lord. We need to pursue the Lord. We need to listen to him. Encourage, encourage yourself. Be encouraged by others. So when you're discouraged, you need to let yourself try to be encouraged by others. Be in relationship with people who will love you, who will listen to you who will gently and with wisdom at the right time, okay? That's what I'm telling you all these counselors. When you're counseling and working with somebody, gently, with wisdom, at the right time, be led by God to say the things that God leads. Try not to just use a platitude, you know, but love on them. Maybe, maybe you'll be led to say, hey, you know, hey, Lance, I, I, I know you're really discouraged, and what you're going through is really, really, really tough right now, and I'm so sorry. I honestly don't know what I'd do in that position. I see. Um, I, I know that you know this deep down, but right now you're struggling, but you've told me some amazing testimonies. I'll encourage you just to maybe go talk to God and recount those things to him and say, God, you've been there in the past. Help me. But, you know, I'm going to sit with you. I'm here, I'm not going to judge you for being discouraged. Now, Lance is actually a really up, up guy. He's never come to me with, 
you know, any, any discouraged, but I guarantee you he's been discouraged because he's human. Be gentle, wisdom, lots of prayer. If you absolutely have to, open your mouth. Encourage one another. Another thing that we, we do, and this seems kind of opposite to get through discouragement, Jesus tells us, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We, just, we really have to give ourselves completely to him and, and the whole process takes, takes trust. Psalm 46 says, See striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. We don't necessarily need to know that life is easier. What we need is the presence of God in our everyday life. But it's every day. You know, I want to encourage you today, especially if you're not discouraged, be with the Lord today. Be with the Lord tomorrow. Have a relationship with Him where you begin to get to know Him and know His goodness on a daily basis because then when the trial comes, it'll be easier to tap into something. Easier, not necessarily easy. Hallelujah. <coughs> when you come to Christ, this promise becomes ours. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful scripture. It's difficult at times. But that's the, pray, the prayer to pray for people. And I just want to encourage you as you're praying and talking to people, use words that are, that are like that. You know, hey, I, I'm going to pray that you're able to experience that peace again. I'm going I'm I'm to be here with you. I'm going to pray that, that God will encourage your heart and that you'll, you'll, you'll feel, experience, know, and trust his goodness. And, but I'm going to be here the whole time for you because what you're going through right now is it's legitimate. And, 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 and some of you are like, yeah, but sometimes the things that people are going through doesn't seem legitimate to me. Can I be real? You ever talk to somebody like, really? You're upset about that? You know, a great example is the 12-year-old who the boy snubbed, the 12-year-old girl who the boy snubbed, the 12-year-old boy the girl snubbed. Their world just came to a crashing end. You've ever been, you, <laughs> I was going to say, you ever have one of those? You ever be one of those? Do you remember? Yeah, that was you, that was me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how silly I was. In that moment, it was true. My world had crashed. The world had crashed. What you didn't need is someone to say, it's, you don't even love her. You don't know what love is. <laughs> There's nothing. Just wait. 
guys are wonderful counselors. They say that, that, that's, what, that's what we want to do. We're going to pull those words back and say, you know what, whatever somebody is going through in the moment that's causing this is legitimate to them. Let them work through it. Let them get strong to where, you know, we can build resilience in our lives to where we don't always go through those. But whatever, something happened and it's causing them to really, really struggle. And that's okay. God has grace for us all. We're all 12-year-old little girls and boys in the kingdom of God. Like, you know, we're just, we just sometimes are, aren't we? And a couple of, couple of scripture, um, I'm just going to read portions of them. 2 Corinthians 9 says, God is able to make all grace abound for every good work. He's able. He can do it. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Hold on to that. Romans 8, 37 says, we are more than conquerors. You can do this. You are more than a conqueror. You can get through it. Just keep swimming. Just keep going. Don't give up yet. Even if keeping going is just sitting still. You have to get through this moment. Don't give up. Don't give up yet. What's that saying? It's, it's always too soon to quit. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4 says that we have a treasure in these earthen vessels. There's a treasure inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Corinthians 10 says that our weapons are mighty. And that his strength, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Spend time with the Lord. Be like Obed-Edom in, in, in 2 Samuel 6. And you're like, who the heck is Obed-Edom? When they were bringing the, the ark back to, to Jerusalem, they were excited. The ark had been in the hands of the Philistines. They're bringing the ark back. It's on a cart. The oxen stumbles, and a guy named Uzzah reaches out his hand to stable the, the, this, you know, kind of stumbling ark of the covenant. He touches it. Here he's trying to do something good, right? Oh, man, I don't want this thing to fall. And he dies on the spot. And they go, the ark is too powerful for us. We, we can't even bring it to Jerusalem. So they put it in the house of Obed-Edom, and it sat there. And they're like, here, you have it. And I'm like, he's probably like, whoa, what am I going to do with this? So he cleaned out a little. He had something in the corner. They used to watch a lot, a little square thing. They'd sit around and watch it at night. He got rid of that. And he put the ark right there. And he had the presence of God in his house all the time. And the Bible says that God blessed every part of his life. The Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence. Let's invite it in. Let's have it in our house all the time. Let's be blessed so that we can do all these things, so we can experience that all of his promises are yes and amen. Church, don't give up. Learn to encourage yourself. Learn to be encouraged by others. And, and church, we need to learn to encourage others. Love them. Stand with them. Be that little cheering Cheering guys say, you can do it. Because <laughs> you can do it. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, I want to pray. And, and after I'm done praying, invite anyone who wants special prayer. I want to pray for people who have been, are currently, or in the future will be discouraged. 
God, that's me. I get discouraged. And sometimes I allow that discouragement to be bigger than you. Help me. I want to be like the disciples. Help us. We believe. Help us in our unbelief. We say and we believe that you're good, but help us to know. Help us to rely. God, teach us uh, how to uh, build memorials and, and recount and go back and look at those things so that it builds our faith and our trust in you. Father, some are really struggling in some health issues this morning. I pray for a healing right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that people would be bold enough to, after, after this, to come forward and, and, and receive prayer for miraculous healing this morning. Encourage them and also bring healing. Father, meet with them. God, I pray for those that may be having uh, personal issues or relational issues, God, that you would meet with them and bring wisdom and encouragement. God, that, that at the, we know that no matter which way it goes, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. But God, that you want to see restoration in the relationships and you will work on our behalf for you are mighty. You've given us authority over all the power of the enemy. It's that it's your pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. It's your pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. Be with us today. Strengthen us. Live in and through us. And help us to be uh, good family members. To love one another. Encourage one another. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you, wanna, if you are a praying person, come forward and pray for anyone who comes forward who just needs an extra, extra prayer. We don't want to miss that. Hey, God bless you. Have a great, great day.